Welcome to the Taking a Bite Out of EdTech podcast, where we're making all things EdTech easy to digest. I am Marshall Beyer, and in this episode, not only are we joined by my friend and colleague, Sitara Ali, but we are also joined by my friend, Mary Asgill. She is our district's instructional writing coach, and we are going to be talking about literacy and podcasting and how podcasting can support literacy and vice versa. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you for joining us today. Today we are going to be talking about podcasting and literacy and how podcasts can support literacy. We have a special guest with us. We have Mary Asgill with us. She is our district's instructional coach for writing. And so she's going to be sharing her expertise when it comes to podcasting and literacy. So first, what are podcasts? So podcasts are a series of digital audio files that are made for an audience to listen to. So I know these are kind of like a big hit now, like they're kind of like the in thing to do is to um, have podcasts, listen to podcasts, create podcasts. Um, there are many podcasts out there, and um, as many more apps have been made, they have the ability to record podcasts. Um, they're making that more accessible, easier to do. And so there's multiple options to choose from when, if you're wanting to listen to podcasts or, or if you're wanting to create those digital files to create your own podcasts. And so why? Why listen to podcasts? Why create them? Why even have them in the classroom at all? One, it sparks creativity in students and in us as teachers. Podcasts are so vast and there's so many different types of podcasts that bringing them in really give your students an authentic experience and an authentic audience, whether you're listening to them or creating them. You're also providing your students with 21st century skills and you're personalizing their learning. If you have students creating podcasts, they can create it for something that they like. They could use some of their background knowledge and whatever's personal to them, and they can now create a podcast using all the skills that you have taught them, but with a subject matter that is personal to them. You can have your students develop literacy and listening skills. You also get authentic engagement. Podcasts are resembling audiobooks, where you purposely choose what you want to listen to. Speaking and listening also within podcasts connects to the Common Core State Standards. And it's also really, really fun for students, regardless of if they're creating it or listening. And so we're going to talk about ways that we can use podcasts in the classroom. So maybe one way that you could use it is after they listen to one, you can have them write a summary about it. So now we're working on our listening skills and we're integrating our writing skills as well. Um, teachers can use it for teaching pronouns and reflexive uses. Um, podcasts can lead to persuasive speeches. You can use a podcast as a hook for an upcoming topic or a lesson that you're teaching in your classroom. You can use podcasts and have students look at parts of the podcast, whether it's like the music that they has chosen, the intros, if there's any type of comedy, the audience participation, um, those types of things. And so you can have them discern and look at different parts of it and kind of dissect it and kind of break apart the parts of the podcast and use that and kind of 
resemble that to like their writing and how they're going to have to have, you know, different parts of um, their writing and whatnot. So they can, there's different ways that you can use podcasts in the classroom, not just as a way to just listen, but you can incorporate writing and listening and speaking and those types of things. So how can podcasts support listening and literacy? There are so many podcasts out there that directly support students listening and literacy. And there are podcasts for every single subject, grade level, even the specific topic that you're covering. Something that I personally did in my classroom is when I was covering different sound waves is I pulled a podcast from NPR, a Listen Wise podcast, where they were talking about different decibels of sound. And they were literally playing sound at different levels. So students really got to interact with what these decibels are and what they are. So here's the sound of a vacuum. Here's the sound of a lawnmower. Here's the sound of a horn honking. So it's all of these personalized learning experiences, but then it's tailored to my curriculum. So I was able to find something that brought the learning of sounds and waves to life for my students. And as students create their own podcasts, they can then start studying tonation, grammar, pausing, oral speaking, reading, communication, all of that within one. Because podcasting and making podcasts, it's not just about speaking and oral speaking. You're writing, reading, listening, and constantly redoing it and revamping it to make it better. One of the things, though, um, that really concerned me about podcasts, and I, I listened to a lot of them, and my, my students uh, did too, and they actually created podcasts, um, was that uh, teaching students the difference between hearing something and just listening to something is super important. So hearing something just means there's sound coming in. There's sound making it to your brain and it's not conscious. It just happens. You know, you, you guys might hear a little bit of a train go by at some point or in your classroom, um, anything, someone's coughing or somebody, um, um, sharpening a pencil, just, just involuntary. Listening, though, is very different. That happens when we start to make meaning of the sound. It's very conscious and it's super hard to do. Trying to show your students some, some different types of listening, and there are zillions of types of listening, but um, as an English teacher, one of the things that got me into figuring out how to teach listening was, well, number one, I was really uh, horrible at it. I thought that listening only had to do with um, what we call active listening, um, looking at the, the people's gestures, their countenances, um, knowing how to, when, when to respond, those kinds of things. But um, as uh, English teachers, we always have to, it's part of our curriculum to teach reading, writing, listening, and speaking skills. And I was doing all right with the reading, the writing, and the speaking, but listening, I had no clue. So it took me uh, years of research to figure out how to do this. And even then, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know that I did it extraordinarily well, but these are some of the things that helped. Teaching my students the difference between what surface level listening was, and that is super selective listening. So it would be, you know, your mom said, clean your room versus your mom said, we're having pizza for dinner. Selective listening, we're gonna hear some of that and some of it we're not. And so speaking, so listening to speak. So I'm really not listening to you, not really. I'm just listening for my turn. I'm listening for a pause in the conversation so I could jump right in there. 
Um, surface level listening is also listening to appease. It's it's that fake listening that we all do, you know, that that listening where like, yeah, 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 I hear you. I'm on my phone. I'm shaking my head. I'm smiling at you, but I'm really on the beach in Santa Cruz. I'm not hearing anything you're saying. <laughs> um, and then teaching kids that, well, there's surface listening, but then there's that deep listening. And this is what we want for uh, from them. And this is what we want for ourselves. Listening to make sure that we're getting the facts, we're summarizing um, just information, listening to make sure we understand the ideas. That is listening to learn. That's the kind of listening we want to happen in the classroom. Listening to appreciate, I think we do pretty well, um, especially when we're listening to music um, or we're listening to um, something that we enjoy learning about. Um, listening to empathize is, is a little bit more challenging because you're not just trying to listen to understand, but you're trying to listen to the feel, the feeling of things. Is this person have the right tone? Um, am, am I feeling what this person's feeling? Uh, rapport listening is also uh, really special and really nice. It's just this idea that I'm going to mimic everything you, you're saying. If, if uh, Because I'm trying to build a rapport with you, I'm listening for if you're telling a joke, then I'm making sure that I'm listening to laugh or listening to tell another joke. Um, um, so if you're, if you are using certain language, um, some people, even if they're, if they're deciding that they're going to use uh, high level vocabulary words versus slang or colloquial terms, I'm listening for those so that I can mirror those terms. You're saying um a lot, I'm gonna say um a lot. Why? Because I wanna build rapport with, with my speaker. Listening to evaluate is an extremely high form of critical thinking. We tend to think of evaluation as judgmental and horrible, but essentially listening to evaluate is the highest form of critical thinking that you can have because you've gotta know summary, you have to understand the ideas, and then you have to be able to take those ideas and ask some really critical questions about them. Um, first of all, is it clear? Did I understand what was just said? Is it accurate? Is this true? Uh, is this relevant at all? Does this have any significance? And so those, is, does it have enough depth? Does it have enough breadth? Um, is, is the listening complete? Um, and is it fair? Did I listen with an unbiased ear? Did I listen with an open mind? Um, and then can I synthesize all of that to get to a main point and then make some decisions about it, try to solve some problems? So listening to evaluate is, is um, what we definitely want to try to get uh, our kids to do in the classroom. And then there's this model of listening called the Hurrier model. And um, this was developed by a researcher from Cornell University. Um, and so what she argues um, is that if you listen to hear, understand, remember, interpret, and evaluate, then we can respond effectively. And that's uh, Judy, I think her name is Brunel's work. So a couple of things that can happen before students write their podcasts is the writing. And so what people tend to do in order to get them in the mood of listening is to have a few small talk items. 
So if your students are writing, um, if your students are having a podcast about dinosaurs or about um, whatever the topic is, have them write in a way that, that includes just some small talk items, that elevator talk. And the whole purpose of that is to get us into the mood of listening. We have to have an intention for it, but we have to even want to listen. So having them write things like, how was your day? Or how are things going? Uh, did you hear about the, um, the flyovers that will be happening over Turlock? Or in my case, Merced at 1016. Those kinds of small talk items really get us in the mood to even want to listen. And it is, and and that's the kind of thing that establishes the rapport. Also, being sure that your students are writing the five W's and the H. So the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. So if their topic is dinosaurs, making sure that they go through and very completely ask as many questions as they can, particularly questions that they're not necessarily going to use. Uh, they want to have more questions than they're going to use for the podcast. The, the RENS model is another uh, very good model, not just for writing, but for reading. And so sometimes when, in a podcast, there will be lulls. One of the things that helped my students was referring to RENS, asking questions like, what are the reasons that you're saying what you're saying? Um, or can you give me an example of what you mean? or the N would be for names. So if they were saying there are lots of um, things that are happening in Turlock today, well, can you name some of those things? The second N will be numbers. If you say, you know, I have a lot of things that I'm gonna be doing today. Um, how many is a lot? Are you gonna be doing five things, 17 things? And that last S for RENS is super important because those are the five senses. So when students are thinking about their listening, the question is, um, are they listening with the five senses? Meaning, can they see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and feel. So are you giving your listeners something to see? You're describing something. Does it have um, a red, super large apple? Um, is, there, is there, does it smell like, whatever you're talking about, does it smell like burnt toast or burnt popcorn? So you want to try to get the five senses in there uh, with those questions. And then making sure that you give yourself listening reminders. You want to have your students to key in on their listening. What am I listening for? Am I listening to appreciate what the speaker is saying? Am I listening to learn from what the speaker is saying? Am I listening to empathize? Am I listening just to evaluate? What exactly am I listening for and how am I doing that? Am I engaging in enough pauses? Am I summarizing? So how is that happening? So before the podcast, getting your students to write their script will be super important. And it's a little bit time consuming, but it will make the podcast go very, very smoothly. No, I just think it's something that as simple as just listening to a podcast or creating a podcast, how much writing and listening and speaking 
skills and standards we can integrate with something as quote unquote basic as just listening to a podcast or creating a podcast. So on the the surface, it may look like, oh, you're just creating a podcast. Like how is that any, how does that have any type of academic value to it? But when you break it down and you look at how you can easily integrate so much listening and speaking and writing, it holds a lot of academic weight to it, I guess you could say, is, is how I'm looking at this and how like some of the takeaways that I'm getting from this is just, I knew you could integrate those things, but it's just like how much writing and listening and speaking and stuff I can get from my students. And then I just think of how they're going to have to, at least, and Satara, you, you and Mary can correct me if, um, if it's different on the secondary um, SBAC exams, but I know for elementary, there's a section where they have to listen to like an article or something, and then they have to answer questions about it. So I just think this is a great way to, you know, practice for that, but then to build those skills. So when they are listening to those audio files on the SBAC, they have some type of practice and they're, they've been doing it. So it isn't a brand new kind of concept for them. That's exactly right. I mean, I, at the secondary level at high school, definitely the um, listening to those two minute stories or, mm-hmm. or um, info research type pieces mm-hmm. can be challenging, especially when they're, when students are not tuned into how they're listening or what they're listening for. So yes, they're listening to comprehend, but how they're listening means that there could be filters involved. Filters would be things like, oh, someone got up to sharpen a pencil and now my listening has switched to that. Mm-hmm. Or there's a someone mowing the lawn outside the classroom. Now my listening has switched to that. So, so helping students understand that there are certain filters that happen. So we don't listen well, for example, when we are hungry or we have a headache. And so having students understand those types of things will impact your listening. We, we don't listen well when we have emotional upheavals. Maybe, you know, my dog just died or I broke up with my girlfriend or I performed badly in um, the soccer game the, the night before. All, so, so that internal listening, we're listening to ourselves instead of listening to what the person is, is reading to us on SBAC. So mm-hmm. it's really important to open up the pedagogy to students and explain exactly how listen, listening works to unpeel that. And I wanted, like, and this isn't just like a skill that you'll do in one day. Because mm-hmm. podcasting can take months. It can be a year-long project. So it's something that you're constantly going back and reinforcing. And it's not just an English thing. It's not just for our ELA teachers to focus on or only for elementary because you guys are amazing and you teach all of the subjects. But it's something that in the secondary level, me as a science teacher, I've used this in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I didn't make podcasts, but I had my students listen to it and connect it. And with so many different podcasts out there, there's podcasts for history and science, and then any single topic that you want, you can find a podcast for that. And then to take it and dissect the podcast you're listening to first, and then to look at all those features and say, okay, now let's create one. Then kids are being creative, they're communicating, they're collaborating, and they're you're sparking the interest to them and they're writing and reading and listening and working on these skills that, I mean, as a science teacher, I didn't know to teach them about these different listening skills, passive listening and active listening. And 
I didn't know about it. And it's like, oh, I wish I could go back in time and reteach those kids that I had with these new skills that I now have in front of me. But, you know, <laughs> we can't, I don't have a time machine, but it's now something that I can go forward with and be like, okay, this is what I've learned. How can I then transfer this knowledge to my students? That way they're better listeners and they're better listeners for me in my class when I talk to them later, they're better listeners at home, they'll be better listeners in their jobs, in their future families. So it's not something that's just classroom restricted. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything that you've been saying, I, I'm like applying it to other things too. Mm -hmm. And so it's something so expansive and amazing that something is simple, <laughs> you know, I say it in quotes, something right, as right. simple as making a podcast. And I know Marshall can attest to how much it goes into making a podcast with the scripting. Mm -hmm. but how much that that podcast making and applying and progressively using it over a course of time and getting better at it can apply itself in so many different facets in your life and in the future. Definitely. So definitely. So uh, during the, during the podcast, um, some note taking uh, could be happening, but which, you know, kids are doing anyway, they're doing the, the, the note taking in class, but I've had students who didn't focus on keywords or phrases when they were note taking, they, they just focused on capturing everything. And so this idea of the keywords uh, with a podcast, it's particularly compelling and it's, it's particularly good to teach um, to focus on key words when they're listening to a podcast. Um, that way they can get, get those main ideas out there, key phrases, and they can tune into things that they might want to follow up on. And so, and, you know, so writing keywords or key phrases or just doodling. Sometimes when I listen in lectures or if I'm listening during a podcast, I'm, I'm making little stick figures to remind me of things that I want to talk about later or things that have come up. Um, also, it's really important to make those affirming sounds during the podcast. And so that, of course, portends that we're not listening to an audience that we uh, we can see. So if we can't see them, we're doing the uh-huh, mm-hmm, yes, yes, those kinds of affirming sounds. And of course, we're if we're if we're listening to someone and that we can see, we, we all tell them, you know, be active listeners, give the affirmative shaking of the head and those kinds of things. But affirming sounds during during a podcast, particularly if they're interviewing people, uh, will be very very helpful. And as usual, moving forward with um, follow up questions. Um, what I found when my students were making their podcasts is that they weren't very good at following up with questions they would just move on to the next question um, and so if like Satara said if we're if we're likening this skill to what we would be doing in a classroom it's the same thing the teacher is is giving a mini lecture about something uh, it's important as the student is listening to jot down a question and then ask that question. And, and that will move the, um, the conversation forward and it will definitely be a, a help in terms of uh, understanding. And then of course, keeping the hurrier model uh, in, in mind, making sure that we hear and understand things um, and that we are definitely looking at, you know, how much of this, um, how much of this are we actually able to 
to understand just based on what we remember, remembering and having a soul focus is super important uh, in the lectures in the classroom, but definitely during a podcast, having to focus and focusing on the, on the images does really help. And then interpreting, being able to stay within the context of the message and avoiding those biases so that we can make meaning. And then lastly, evaluating, making sure that we can keep an open mind, we're not jumping to conclusions and we're definitely asking questions. So that her, your model uh, might be, I found it to be at least one of the most helpful things that I used uh, with my students. So summing it all up afterwards, after the podcast, it's important for students to reflect on their listening. So what we always did, and, and this was during discussions mostly, with our ERWC curriculum with my seniors, that's a, that's a curriculum where you're teaching controversial issues, um, emotions run high, people get upset, and we had senior seminar every Friday. And so it was really important to have a listening partner. So in my classroom, I had students who would say, here's what I want you to listen for in seminar today. So if my listening, so I would go to my listening partner and say, um, it's my turn to engage in seminar. There'd be a small circle in the, the front of the room, maybe 12 or 15 students. And the rest of them, would the rest of the class would be listening and they'd have listening partners. So one question would be, I want you as my listening partner to see whether or not I am listening for empathy. Am I listening, if I, have I taken all of my biases off the table? Am I, list, am I listening solely to understand what this person is saying and what this person is feeling? How did I do? how good was I listening today? One to five. And I gave them a, a little listening rubric and the listening partner would then debrief after this, the, the discussion. And so it's important to have them reflect on the podcast afterwards. And then also reflect on what were the filters? Was I cold? Um, was I hungry? Was I thinking about something else? Was I emotion, um, emotionally and mentally detached because of something physically happening in the room or because of something that was happening internal with me? Maybe I'm listening to my own brain noise. Um, or is it physiological? Am, am I just, um, am I, I, am I in a state of, you know, I really need a drink of water? And then also, did I use RINs? Did I ask enough reasons, examples, names, numbers, five senses in order to help my speaker? So if I'm in a discussion, am I doing that? Um, it really, like for me, for secondary, like connect it as much as you can to your essential standards, to what you're covering. Make sure that the podcast that you're either creating or that you're listening to go along with your topic and then have your students collect like connect their what they listen to to whatever it is that you're teaching so keep bringing it back to your standards keep bringing it back to like the sole purpose of it so you can expand what you're learning about with all these podcasts and creating it and reflecting on themselves so if they're creating it and they're reflecting on themselves then the next podcast that they create the next episode they're going to keep increasing their skills and keep getting better or if they're just listening to a podcast 
then they just reflect back, okay, well, what did I learn? How does it apply to this overarching goal? This was the whole, like, what was that big wondering, that big question that we were going for? How does this relate to that? So keep going back to it. Keep going back to that big question that you're answering that all of this was for. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, doing podcasts, listening to podcasts, creating them is fun, but making sure that we're always bringing it back to those standards and connecting it to the the content that we're covering in our classroom. So then our students can make those connections as well. And, you know, a lot of this is about um, cognition, you know, teaching students metacognitive ways to do an internal checkup on their listening. And Julian Treasure has some, has a really great acronym here that I love. He calls it RASA. And um, that is, he said it's a Sanskrit term for, uh, for the essence of things. And so of, of the juice or the, the real heart, the essence of it. And so he said, in order to improve the listening, you have to do rasa to receive, really pay attention, really, really focus and try to weed out the filters as much as possible. And then to appreciate that goes back to that affirmative shaking of the head or that, that, um, uh-huh. Yes, I get it. Those, those affirmative sounds that we make. So students know they're being heard. And then to summarize. So what you meant was, uh, or so what I heard you say was, so I think what you're saying is to just constantly summarize at different points during the listening and asking those follow-up questions. And of course the hurrier model. So if we can teach students to improve their listening skills during podcasting, those same skills as Sitara and Marshall were saying, apply to our standards and they apply to just everyday uh, teaching. So when they're listening to to us lecture, we're given our little five to seven minute, minute mini lecture, we might even wanna stop and say, okay, I have something really important I want to say. So frame it that way. So that way, ah, they are going to get off the beach in Santa Cruz and they're going to come back <laughs> to the classroom and then they're going to listen. I have something important to say. I would like you right now in 30 seconds to write down um, a summary or to write down things that, that I just said in my little lecture that you appreciated or to write down things that you particularly paid attention to in the, in the lecture or write down um, a follow-up question, but just to follow RASA and the Hurrier model uh, and, and just real quick checks for understanding so that they can be in tune with the metacognition of their own listening. So they're not just thinking about how they're thinking, but they're thinking about how they're listening. Those are some really great resources that have helped me uh, over the years and that have continued to help me. And uh, some of these folks uh, do have podcasts and they do actually have uh, TED Talks. Julian Treasure is a listening expert and that How to Be Heard book is fantastic. And I would highly recommend anything by Eric Palmer. Uh, teaching the core skills of listening and speaking um, has just been 
a gold uh, mine for me. And then um, definitely using uh, Judy Brown Brunel's work, um, that that listening hurrier model. And then we'll go through and um, we'll we'll link to all these resources. So you guys have um, you guys can check them out at your at your leisure. So they'll be in like the description and in the show notes and stuff as well. Okay, so we've kind of hit on this, but we're just going to kind of reiterate. So what can podcasts do? Podcasts can, they can give you a voice. So they can, you know, you can have your students be doing podcasts and maybe that student in your class that you never hear from, that never wants to talk, never wants to share out. Now you've given them a platform. You've given them a voice to share their thinking, share things that are important to them, share how they're connecting to the content that you're teaching in your class. It's going to inspire some students. So some students may not, you know, as much as we may not want to admit it, they might not get very inspired to sit there and have to read an essay and then answer questions about it. But if you are um, asking them to create their own and they're at, you're asking them to listen to one, maybe that kind of triggers something in them. Um, it's going to inform them. It's going to educate them. Um, and then it's going to make them laugh. It's going to allow them to tell a story or allow them to listen to a story. Uh, it can make you cry. And like I said, it's going to provide a platform for them. So some of those students that we have in our class, this might be the avenue and this might be the platform they need to kind of show their listening or show their, show their understanding, show their knowledge and be able to share that with you and with their classmates. And then all of these images you see here, they're all linked. So if you were to click them on your copy of the slides, it'll take you to the actual podcast. So these are just some examples. This is definitely not all encompassing. These are just some examples of different podcasts that some elementary teachers have used. And this was taken from Tom Covington, a podcasting 101 session that I attended during fall Q. And these are just some really great podcasting stations that you can look at, but definitely make sure you still preview anything that you're going to show your kids. Listen to it beforehand and try to do things in small chunks. Don't have your students listen to 30 minutes of a podcast. Do five minutes or less. Always five minutes or less, because usually after a couple of minutes, that's where those listening skills really need to be retaught and you need to show your students, okay, well, if you if your mind wandered, what could we do? And talk about those skills of how we can refocus, how, you know, you just heard the AC kick on and those things are loud and you're in the back <laughs> of the room, speakers in the front. So what can we constantly do to refocus ourselves to work on those listening skills that we were hearing and listening at the same time? And then, you know, if you think about it too, your listening is kind of like a muscle. You have to train it. So if you, mm -hmm. you don't want to start off Hey, we're going to listen to a 30 minute podcast because they're not going to listen for 30 minutes. So like Satara said, start small, start with a couple minutes and then gradually work your way up to longer segments. So you don't want to start off with like a, you know, like I said, like a long 30 minute segment, start them off small, get their, get them trained, get their muscle um, ready for it. And then you can start expanding. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. The brain <laughs> will wander. Yep. Just treat them the same way as us as adults. I'm not going to sit there and listen to a 30-minute podcast that I didn't care about in the beginning. If you don't get me to buy in, you don't tell me a why, you don't connect with how this applies personally to me, you've lost me from the start. And then you're telling me that I have to sit there for almost an hour listening. Mm -hmm. So definitely get that buy-in, get that why, and just start small. Start small and then slowly increase it to build their capacity of listening. 
So these are examples that we could use with our elementary students. We're also going to share some, here are some examples of ones that could be used with middle school students. And then these also came from Tom Covington's presentation at Fall Q. And then here are some ones for that could be used with high school students. So um, again, with all of these, these are just some recommendations. There's tons more out there that you can find, but like Satara and I mentioned before, make sure before you pick a, an episode that you're gonna share with your class, preview it, make sure that it's covering what you want. The title of the episode might not necessarily connect with the content that you're teaching in your classroom. And we just wanna make sure that the content that's being covered is appropriate and that it's going to connect with what you're teaching in your classroom. And then there's also podcasts for professional development. I listen to podcasts when I drive to work and I don't get to listen to the whole thing, but 10 minutes every time I'm in the car and I slowly throughout the week will be able to listen to one podcast just for myself, just for a little bit of professional development when I'm just driving in the car in the morning or right after work. And I learn so much from just listening to someone's conversation. And I also learn a lot about myself and what interests me and what I gravitate towards when I'm just listening. So here are some examples of different podcasts that you can listen to for professional development, but there's so many more out there. So definitely you can look through your apps on your phone, you can go online and you can search for just different podcasts that just kind of pique your interest. You can even search for a topic and put podcasts after it in the Google search bar and results will come up. So it's really, it's a really nice way to learn and also to learn from others and grow your professional network as well. Yep, exactly. And then there is a educational podcasting directory that um, is linked on this slide. So if you click on where it says educational podcast directory, it'll take you to a site that has a bunch of, it's a, it's a directory. So if you are searching for a particular topic, it's going to kind of filter through and it's going to show you some podcasts that will cover that um, specific topic. And then how do we do this in the classroom? So Mary talked about this in great deal of the planning and the recording and kind of the afterwards. But so you have to have the kids plan. You can't just sit them in front of the Chromebook and be like, all right, open up, you know, beautiful audio editor or vocaroo that we're going to go over later mm -hmm. and start recording. They have to have a plan. It has to be written down. They have to have a script. You want them to have those questions that Mary talked about. She said they need to have these questions. They need to have follow-up questions. Think about that end goal. If you're going to have your students create a podcast about persuasive writing, have them write a, and have them conduct a persuasive podcast where they're writing and they're persuading someone to do something that connects with them personally. It doesn't have to be centered on a specific topic if you're teaching them an overall goal. Or if you're having them talk about, for example, I'm a science teacher, so I always revert to this. If they're doing a physics topic or something on the Newton's laws or magnetism or electricity, have them talk about it, but have them plan out what they're going to say. Because you don't want to have your students sit there in front of the computer and just say, um, the entire time. Because that's something that we teach them not to do with oral speaking as well. <laughs> and then record and then re-record. Just when they take a picture of themselves or when we take a picture of ourselves, we see it, we analyze it, we delete it, we redo it. Our students are going to be doing the same thing. Well, what, then, can I speak to just one issue about the planning? Mm -hmm. 
Um, when your students are planning, it's very, very important to have them do the, that old teacher model that we have when we're planning, our into, our through, and our beyond. So, or, or just, uh, I'm, I'm an English teacher, so I'm thinking in terms of essay writing, what is my introduction, what is the body, and what is the conclusion? So my intro planning, what are those initial, maybe soft kinds of questions that I wanna think about? Um, the, 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 the essential questions that are gonna lead me to the more specific questions in the body, and then the end, how am I gonna end the podcast? So how am I gonna start it? what are my main topics um, and then what's the middle going to look like how many questions are there where do i want to go with those and then how are we going to end the podcast so making sure that they start off with an overarching question of what do i want to accomplish how am i getting uh, what do i need to get from this um or what do i want my my listeners to get from this and then um, take them into, through, and then beyond that. And those, those follow-up questions will definitely um, will be helpful. Perfect. I love that. And then this could be something that can take one podcast or it can be multiple. They can start with a question and then they're just trying to figure out what the answer is. And then they progressively figure out the answer through all the extra research and extra work that they're extrapolating in the class. And then they're putting that in subsequent podcast episodes where the entire podcast is about an overall thing, an overall topic, an overall wondering, an overall question that they're making all of these short podcasts all about. And these podcast episodes that your students are making, they're not 30 minutes either. They're a few minutes. And you'll see that for a two minute podcast, they're gonna have three to five pieces of paper on what they're writing and what they're scripting. And on looking at this, they're doing their planning and recording, planning and recording. They're going to go through edit and then they're going to share it. And because it says shared, that does not mean that it needs to be shared publicly to the world. This could be sharing is you're posting it in your Google Classroom, something like that. Something as simple. You don't have to think that, okay, I need to go through this big old ordeal, this big old process where I'm like creating this public podcast. It can literally be something that is posted in the Google Classroom that your students listen to. And it it's, can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. This same um, slide that Marshall just talked about and Sitara just talked about with regard to planning, recording, editing, and sharing, that is the writing process in and of itself. Yep. Planning, are we brainstorming? Recording, we're actually doing some writing, some drafting, we're getting it out there. Editing, that's where the revision happens and we're mm -hmm. fine tuning, revising, revising. And then finally, that sharing piece is so important. Even if you're just sharing it with one other partner, going public with the writing, um, you know you're gonna be sharing it with your teacher, but going public with the writing, sharing is super important. So those are the steps in the writing process. Yep, exactly. Help the students to see that it's the, the same. Same thing. Definitely. Okay, so. Now we're talking about all this stuff and then you're like, okay, so what can I use to create it? So we have a couple of apps that are um, pending right now, but they are going to be approved. And one of them is Vocaroo. It is a website that you go to and it's literally just a simple editor. You go to this site, you click record, you record what you're gonna say, and then it downloads that audio file for you. I'm um, glad to see it's still around. <laughs> yes. 
Um, and then another one that's going to give you a little bit more control over things is beautiful audio editor. So that is something that you can record and edit the audio in. And then this is nice because it's connected to your Google drive. So it'll save those files in your Google drive or your students, Google drive, um, for them. So, um, both of these are going to be good for teachers and students to use. And then if you have an iOS device, so if you're a teacher that has like an iPad or something, there is also GarageBand that you can record and edit um, audio files with. So these are three options that uh, we could use to record and edit audio files. And definitely like don't be afraid to use these in your class with your students. You might know, not know how to use them and they might not know how to use them, but put it in front of them and tell them to figure it out mm -hmm. because they will. Our students have no fear when it comes to clicking buttons. And when they ask you questions, and when they ask you questions and you don't know the answer to, they have a computer. And I would always say the same thing. And then my students started quoting it to themselves. So I know I, you know, said it enough times. I'd say you have the world at your fingertips. Why are you asking me? I think and I started using the Volcaroo, um, and, and I just don't know if it's still if it if it saves because when I was using it back in the early 2000s it wouldn't save anything does mm. it save it, I believe it does now yeah oh good they've, they've improved yes you just have to download it yep so it, it won't save it on the site itself once you record it you have to download it and then students that are on their Chromebook devices they would download it and then upload it right to their drive because wow. it would be there the tech keeps moving yes it is <laughs> All right, and so we wanted to, because we know that this was a question that was going to come up, so can students use mobile devices and apps to record? Because every student, ha or not every student, you know, every person that has a smartphone, it has a voice recorder on there. So you could use that, but we just urge you to use caution when allowing students to use their personal devices. You know, apps like Anchor and other things to record audio, um, they might have those on their phones, but that's their personal device and there's little protection that we can provide when students are using their personal devices. So it might be something that you're like, Hey, whip out your phone, record it on your phone or whatever. But we just urge you to kind of use caution when you're um, allowing students to use their personal devices, just because it is their personal device. So there there's little protection that we can provide them um, when they're using their personal devices. So that's all for today's episode on podcasting and literacy. You can find links to resources that we discussed today at our new website. It is takingabyteoutofedtech.com. There you'll find links to resources that we discussed in this episode and previous episodes. Make sure to follow us on social media. I am MarshallBuyer29 on Twitter. And Satara is SataraAli underscore. And you can follow Mary on Twitter as well. She is at Mary Asgill. For the Taking a Bite Out of EdTech podcast, where we're making all things EdTech easy to digest, this is Marshall Byer signing off. I'll catch you next time.